0: Education is how a leader gets, liberates the things out of their mind into a practice, into a group of people so that something can actually happen.
1: Welcome to the Inspiro podcast, a podcast exploring personal growth, leadership, strategy, communication, and fulfillment. We are your hosts, Jason Luchtefeld and Bill Woodburn. I'm here as a dentist transitioning into a career to help facilitate individuals and their organizations towards a more fulfilling future.
0: Hi there, I'm Bill Woodburn and I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in Austin, Texas. I'm fascinated by the way people come together to solve problems, whether that's couples or families, dental practices or organizations. We're gonna be exploring a lot of topics and for us to be able to be free to do that, I have to let you know that this is not intended to be dental advice or counseling advice. You know, communication is so vital reminded that uh, a few weeks ago, I was talking to someone from a dental practice. And they said uh, that the uh, the doctor owner uh, was a good leader, he just really didn't have very good communication skills. And my immediate reaction was like, that's like saying, uh, you know, he's a good dentist, but he's not any good with a handpiece. Communication is how a leader gets liberates the things out of their mind into a practice, into a group of people so that something can actually happen. And with without communication or, or with poor communication, then you know, you're, you're put in this very frustrating spot of having dreams, ideas, visions for the practice that you can't actually get any traction on. Yeah, I think you said a
1: lot there we could unpack. And I think the first thing is what is communication. If we want to define the word itself as uh, two people having a conversation, but I think it goes deeper than that. I think there's also communication between things that are unsaid. There's there's nonverbal communication as well. Oh, yeah. And so, when we're talking about communicating, if we use your first example there of the leader that is a good leader but can't communicate, um, it'd be interesting to know more about what attributes were able to override a lack of communication and what made it poor communication because it could be the person just gives orders and doesn't listen. It could be that they listen but they never speak clearly. And so I'm I'm interested to know how you would define communication and then as we define it, what is what are some examples of poor communication and great communication?
0: Let's start off with the very very basic but I think really effective definition of communication. It's the ability to move an image from our head to somebody else's head. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you know, we can't read minds. Okay, that's 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 not what human beings do. Uh, so we have to use words to build the imaging of the person's head, and ideally, ideally, what you end up with. Is some joint image that resides in both heads. If you're a leader, I have a vision for this practice. I'm going to build that, I'm going to use words to build that vision in the heads of my team. My team will then respond to it, use words to build their role, their part in that, their emotional excitement in that in my head so I can add that to the vision. And if this works really well, we're dealing with one vision works poorly you know our Venn diagram has less and less and less overlap until we're talking about two images instead of one because we're just not understanding each other or we're not listening to each other and those two images or if you've got to practice with 10 people you can have like 20 images going on in one discussion how do you even deal with that as a leader I mean that's that's just chaos yeah you
1: use a great example in a workshop I saw, and I've hijacked this since then for my own use. And that is, you have two people talking about where they're going to meet. And so one person says, we're going to meet by the tree outside. And the other person says, okay, great. Well, they walk outside and there's, there's 10 different types of trees. The person speaking meant the pine tree, but the person listening went to the oak tree.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the, the important pieces is a certain richness in communication. Um, I did my uh, family counseling internship in a public family therapy agency um, up in Abington, Virginia. And we had a lot of folks come in who, from little towns. They were really sort of hard scrabble, you know, barely making it. And I remember one young one man sitting there with his young son. And we were dealing with some problems the son was having in school. And I said, well, could you could you tell your son, you know, like what you want here, what you want him to do at school? And the man said, I want him to be a good boy. I said, great. Could you tell me more about what a good boy does? He does good things. Well, could you give him a, an example of it? Well, he remembers to do good things to the people around. So he's a good boy i put my place in that kid's head and I'm thinking I have no idea what this man wants. Mm-hmm. and it wasn't the man's fault he just had very few words to express what's really a complicated topic good behavior oh that sounds easy everybody knows what that is no people don't mm-hmm. and then when we work up into a dental office with well-educated well-trained people who have lots of ideas in their head yeah you're right and by your example you go outside and now there are hundreds of trees and everybody picks a different tree and unless you have enough richness in your vocabulary to talk about oak trees or the leaning oak tree or the oak tree with those orange leaves or again adding that sort of richness to your communication then it's just sort of random what happens yeah, that
1: a little bit of a tangent, but I think related. So this is really valuable when we're talking about core values. We oftentimes go through a selection process, especially as we're working with people in strategic planning. And we have uh, individuals identify core values and then uh, core values for the office itself. And most teams... Come up with words. Some teams put definitions to those words. Very few teams put actions to those definitions associated with those words. And so if you have a team that has the words only, you have a team of 10 people, what integrity means to those 10 people could be seven different things. And that to me is a really powerful piece of this that I think should be something that anybody listening to this can take home and act on tomorrow. And that is how do we better move my idea of this word
0: into your head and vice versa? Let me suggest an exercise for people listening today it's one i frequently do when i'm helping people with planning let's say you have a word like integrity it's a major value you talk about a lot as a leader i challenge you to go find five other ways to define that five other words that are impactful that are meaningful that help define integrity so that you're not stuck with just one word Five words now that's not terribly hard. Pretty much any dictionary you can read it, they need to resonate. I mean, not just five random words, but five words that build that image of what a practice within with with integrity would look like, so that you have some way to move that image. And one word's probably not going to do it. Mm -hmm. I think.
1: That would be a really valuable exercise for a dental team where you have people working in different silos oftentimes. And so integrity for the front desk is different actions than integrity from the hygienist. And so the more that they can share their overlapping words and actions that reflect those words with the other people in the office, the more you're gonna have, well, you're gonna be developing a culture of um, communication and excellence. And if the integrity is the word of integrity. And
0: imagine <laughs> that you're working in the front desk and you have trained by your words and by your thoughtfulness, the rest of the team to understand what integrity looks like when you do it at the front desk Mm -hmm. and so they can look at you and go yes that person's doing it think how affirming that is right versus these sort of arguments that people get into well they're not well they're again it's like but but like you're saying they may not know what it looks like at the front desk and it may look very different than it does back in the lab or in an operatory yeah different different actions same word same people loyal to the same concept but what people are going to actually see oh that's that's important
1: yeah related to that (coughs) communication of a vision Mm -hmm. is similarly important you already touched on this about creating a vivid world in your description while you are communicating a vision and the more descriptive that is the more you are taking that idea from your head and allowing somebody else to see the same thing with their eyes closed.
0: I I gave a really hard exercise to one doctor owner at their practice and and I'm sure they hate me to this day Um, but I said describe in your own words a patient coming into your practice what they see what they do what the team does what it does smells to, like it was, yeah just 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 tell tell me the story they, they show up at the door and they they basically talk for about a minute and a half i said you know, i said no 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 you have 7 minutes i want you to use all 7 minutes mm-hmm. i want you to describe what it's like to sit in the waiting room. What do they see? What is their butt on? I mean, let's go into detail. And a fascinating thing happened because what they had to do is to go in further to their own image in their head. They didn't just take the, the first little slice off the image and present it. They really had to go back in the image. And, and and to this person's credit, they really did have an image. They just had never brought it from the back up to the front where they could wrap some words around it and get it out there. And I watched all sorts of lights go on in the eyes of the team. Like, oh, that, or, oh my gosh, we're not doing that. Or this was not an uncooperative team. It's just those surface words were just not enough to make sure that the team's actions were congruent with that sort of deeper vision that was going on back in, in the doctor's head.
1: Uh, I think that's a good point we could touch on. How how do you find deeper words? How do you go beyond good and a happy office? Or I want my patients to walk in and feel good?
0: Well, a liberal arts education helps. Okay. <laughs> So outside of sending them to four years of school, (laughs) I'm I'm only slightly flippant in that, um, (laughs) you know, we do that by reading really good authors. Hmm. And that could be even nonfiction sort of narrative nonfiction that I love about history. There are guys that recount the historical moment, but then there are people who use words to put you into that historical moment where you just feel like you walked in and you can just look around and see what's going on because their words are very careful. Uh, they're very exact. Um, so reading good authors, authors that really do work in images and do take the time to build them, rather than the people who are just sort of recounting or, or, or telling the record. Um, a great author for that, if you're into fiction is Ernest Hemingway. Okay, great. He has surprisingly simple sentences and simple paragraph structures, but he's so careful with his choice of words. They are exactly the words to say exactly what's going on. He's a really good model for a leader because, again, he's not, he's not flowery. He's very direct, but the words are carefully chosen. He means exactly what he says. Mm-hmm. And the words are strong enough to also carry the weight of a vision of uh, in one of his books, a, a small group who has to blow up a bridge in Spain in the 1930s Spanish Civil War and and the risks and the struggle. And and he's got he's got words, not a lot of fancy sentences, but words that actually support that sense of struggle and 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 danger and 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 striving. That this group's going through, and yeah, he paints a great picture. That's that's why he's considered to be a good author. Mm-hmm. So there I like are that. great authors out there who who have paved already already paved the way, and when you read them, you begin to not just consciously but kind of unconsciously see how images are constructed and conveyed. Yeah, that, I, <laughs> I
1: love that offering of an example to people um, that they can go do that. Another one, and I say this only half jokingly, is you can now go use uh, Chat GPT and be inspired if you want some more <clears throat> alliterative examples of <laughs> what kind of phrasing to use. <laughs> Just be careful.
0: The other <laughs> exercise that I really recommend, and people don't like it, and heck, I don't like it either, but I do it is when I'm working on vision things and I know I know I've got a vision in the back of my head somewhere but I need to move it up forward I sit there and write it out Mm -hmm. to me by hand I, I like the the movement of my hand and my body and 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 write it and I'll go out someplace nice and sit or a coffee shop get away from the office and and I will write out and several versions because uh, when i write it out the first time it's like oh my goodness this doesn't explain anything to anybody but pretty soon if i'm diligent about writing it it means that i can't lie to myself that i've chosen the right word because i can read it and i can go that's not exactly the right word there Mm -hmm. might be a better word for that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and that's having permission to Figure that out is important. Uh, It doesn't have to be right the first go-around. When we're working with people on writing vision statements, for example, and they write their first draft and they're embarrassed because they think it has to be perfect, the first go-around. We have to keep reminding them, oh, no, your first go-around is not the end, and the second isn't, and the third isn't, and the fourth isn't. This can take five, six, seven times, and guess what? You're going to keep rewriting it. And that's okay.
0: <laughs> I, w- I always say, you know, the 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 criteria here isn't perfection. The criteria in a written mission statement or vision statement is authenticity, mm-hmm. and we're working for it to to be heartfelt and authentic. And we're choosing words to be more and more authentic with our actual vision, better, more congruent, m- m- closer and closer, not perfect. Perfection actually leads us away from that because we want to use some sort of, you know, highbrow word or or whatever. It's like no, no, no. Get be authentic. And if if, if you need to use simple words, I like simple words in a vision. Mm-hmm. Simple, powerful, descriptive words.
1: Thanks for listening, and tune in next time for the continuation of the communication discussion. Cheers.